Good morning, and uh, what a beautiful day, summer week we've been blessed with, another wonderful summer weekend. I know it's hot, but uh, as we are talking in the council room too, and as we know, the, the corn, the crops still need it for this uh, fall season, and uh, we'll have to put up, continue to put up with the air conditioning, so it's good to be here, and it's good to have AC as well. So welcome to all members, uh, a special welcome to guests who are among us. Uh, maybe you're attending here for the first time or attending regularly, and uh, we're just glad that you're here and that we're able to be together um, as one body together. A special welcome to uh, Marilyn Dykeman on the piano, blessing us with her uh, musical gifts. Uh, Marilyn will be on our music schedule likely uh, once a month. Um, she's a member of the Exeter Bible Fellowship and uh, just down the road, and mother to one of our members, Lori Trebner, um, and we're going to extend grace to her as she gets to know us a little bit in our style, and she'll extend grace to us as she gets to know, uh, we both get to know each other's style. So uh, thank you, Marilyn, for leading us as well. So in this service, we'll also uh, be having a commissioning service of the leaders of education. Um, again, this is an opportunity not only just to, to bless the leaders as they train and equip uh, the children, youth, and other ministries in the congregation, but it's an opportunity just to continue to be reminded of God's faithfulness in the life of the leaders and the life of his church to all generations. So uh, we have an opportunity for that later as well. So I invite you to join with me in a responsive call to worship. And our call to worship is based on the verses from uh, Jeremiah 29. We'll be hearing from that passage later in the service. And uh, we use some of the words, some of the verses as our call to worship. So a word of encouragement came from the prophet to the people. Live a life that is full. Pray for one another and pray for your communities. We enter into worship today with hope in our hearts. For something happens here that reminds us that we can live as God desires. God has made a promise of his faithfulness to us. And we can trust the promise of God. If you are able, I invite you to stand as we sing our song. First song, Come, Now is the Time to Worship.
Join with me in a responsive greeting and a prayer following that as well. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God of grace, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, even as we gather before your face, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. to live as your faithful children and witnesses through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy God, we praise your name. God's people gathered together, we're called to take this time in the service to confess our sins before God. And our confession does not save us. Jesus saves us. But when we confess before God and before one another, we're reminded of what we're saved from and the cost of our salvation through Jesus. Psalm 5, we hear these words from the psalmist. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sign. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. Let us pray to God. Lord God, we come before you at this time with our cries for help. You provide us the gifts of your word and your Holy Spirit. And so often we fail to do your will and follow your plans for our life. Our actions haven't always been pleasing to you and we fail to build up your kingdom, often wanting to build our own kingdoms and follow our own agendas. Our words have been empty and callous and we so often neglect to encourage one another. Our thoughts have diverted from holy thinking to sometimes negativity and discouragement. So we cry to you for mercy. We're needy people and we're in need of your forgiveness. We are in need of your amazing grace. We confess our sins before you, before your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
Amen. We are also given words of assurance that all our sins have been forgiven. Psalm 28, verses 6 to 9. Praise be to the Lord, for He has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield, and my heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to Him in song. The Lord is the strength of His people, a fortress of salvation for His anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Brothers and sisters, God is our strength. He's our salvation. He forgives us. He saves us. He is the healer. And in response, we're called to bring glory to His name and to bless His name forever. So let's respond by singing together, Be Unto Your Name. young adults and the living small groups to please stand. So the leadership of 
all those, so Sunday school teachers, gems and cadets, counselors, youth group leaders, young adult leaders, and living small group facilitators and committee, please stand. Beloved in the Lord, we have come here to commission the volunteers and leaders in the education ministries of Christ's Holy Church. Christ alone is the source of all Christian ministry through the ages calling men and women to serve. By the Holy Spirit, all who believe and are baptized receive a ministry to witness to Jesus as our Savior and Lord and to love those and serve those with whom they live and work. We are ambassadors for Christ, who reconciles and makes us whole. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, as we see in the windowsills. Following Christ's resurrection and ascension, God has given the church apostles, prophets, teachers, deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance and leadership. Seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we affirm these members of Christ's church. Our Lord, who came among us to serve, calls us to faith and to a life of gratitude. Servants and friends of God, you stand among us to render a particular service, a gift from God to equip us in the work of ministry. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in a proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, and the compassionate in cheerfulness. So the volunteers who are standing and leaders... Do you accept the work of your ministries in confidence that it comes from God? Will you fulfill this ministry in accordance with the teaching and practice of this church? Will you be diligent in your study of Scripture, faithful in your use of the means of grace, and consistent in prayer? Will you trust in God's care, seek to grow in love for those that you serve, strive for excellence in your work, uphold the unity, purity, and peace of this church, and adorn the gospel with a godly life? Beloved people of God, will you receive these sisters and brothers as servants of the Lord? And the congregation responds. Oh, whoa, sorry. <laughs> Will you encourage them as they accept a responsibility for a common life? Will you provide such financial and personal support that they will serve with joy? Amen. Beloved people of God. Oh, and that's... Sorry. Go on to the next section. Servants and friends of God, we commission you for this ministry in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, as you call workers to varied tasks in the world, and in your church, so you have called these servants to these ministries. Grant them joy that their work may stir up in each of us to a life of faithful service. We pray all of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the head of the body, the church, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, who equips us for service. Amen. And let's uh, stand, if you were able, for us to sing the next song, Take My Life and Let It Be. glad you came to church today. Today, instead of bringing something to show you, I'm going to teach you a new word, and it's from a different language. Okay, to start to learn this new word, you have to make a sound, and it goes, (sighs) try it. Can you do it? (sighs) It's almost like spitting, but don't, okay? Anyways, the word is Chaselech. Can you say that? Chaselech. Chaselech. What language do you think that word comes from? What? French. It's not French. Who has another idea? Right there. Dutch. Dutch. You're right. And I'm going to tell you about the word chaselech. And when I point to you, I want you to help me say that word chaselech. Okay. So the word chaselech was my mom's favorite word. When I was younger, Monday morning meant we had to put the garbage out. And at about 10 o'clock, the garbage man stopped and picked up the garbage. And guess what? He came in for a cup of coffee. And my mom thought that was chaselech. 
when I was in Calvinettes, which is Gems, and my brother was in Cadets, my mom would drop us off, and she would go to co- for coffee to Mrs. Borg's house. And Mrs. Borg didn't have a husband anymore, so they had a good visit. And my mom thought that was Chaselech. And then, when we got a little older, she drove a school bus, and she had a bus full of kids with special needs. And she thought that was Chaveldech Chaselech. Anyways... Chaselech is a hard word to translate. There isn't really an English word. So when I think of that word, I think of my mom, and I think of the words comfort, warmth, love, hospitality. And so one word that comes to mind in English is community. And when I think about community in this church, I think about the candy man that gives kids candies. When I think about community in this church, I think about VBS where everybody made friends with kids that they didn't maybe know before. And when I think about community, I think about the offering plate when we hand what we can to help other people. And finally, I don't know if you, some of you guys came for dinner at our church last weekend. We said to the community, we said, come to our church. We're going to feed you. We're going to enjoy your company. And we're glad to do so. So that's what I think about community. So anyways, let's pray before you go to Sunday school. Dear Lord, we thank you for the words that help us express our feelings. We thank you for chaselachite. We thank you for community. We ask you to bless us, this extra-Christian Reformed Church, with a great deal of community, as well as reaching out into our broader community. We ask you to bless these children as they go to Sunday school. May they be a blessing to each other and their teachers. Amen. Thanks, Joan, for leading the children's message. As we uh, continue this morning through our Walking by Faith series, we trust that God has put us into our neighborhoods, into our communities, as we just heard, for a purpose. He's put us there for a purpose as individuals, as families. He's put us here as a church into this community for a purpose. So we trust that God has a purpose for us to follow Jesus in mission. In a moment, we'll be reading from Jeremiah 29. You can turn to that shortly. Jeremiah 29 is a passage that involves the people of Israel during their captivity. And Israel, you could say, was going through quite a rough transition, and that's kind of putting it a little mildly. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, and many of the Jewish people were taken captive to Babylon. And they became a displaced people. And they lost everything except for their lives. They lost their city, they lost their property, they lost certain freedoms. And they were likely wondering and pondering, like, what is God's plan for us? What could possibly be our purpose in life? Because they were now exiles in a foreign land. So let us read from Jeremiah 29. And we're going to read from verses 1 through 14. And before we do, let's pray to God. God Almighty, just like the Israelites, you've put us in our places of residence for a purpose. You've called us here for a purpose. 
And you have plans for us as your people. So as we read from your word again this morning, as we read through the prophet Jeremiah, may your spirit make clear to us what our calling as your people and your church is. So bless the reading and bless the proclamation. Bless each one of us who are present and even those who may be listening through technology. Lord, we pray this only in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 29. Verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Joachim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Their prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Thanks be to God for his word. I have this book in my office that's titled Resident Alien. It's written by two theologians, and the subtitle is Life in the Christian Colony. The premise of this book is that we are aliens in this land, but we are also residents. We are in a foreign land, and yet this is our home. So how do you live in a place that is home, and yet still so foreign? Well, we hear about this in Jeremiah 29. The Israelites have been taken captive. They've been brought to a huge city. And this was by no means home for them. It was figured that Babylon was the largest city in the world at that time. And not only that, it was a hostile city. It was a pagan city. It was a military city. It was a diverse city with different exile groups, different gods, totally different culture. So this city, you can well imagine, would have been very overwhelming to the newly arrived inhabitants, the Israelites. 
I mean, the Israelites had always been governed by several laws relating to clean and unclean practices and holy habits. They were called to be holy people. And now here they are in this pagan and unholy city trying to adjust to pagan way of life. It was, you got to understand, it was tragic, it was depressing, and it seemed so hopeless. Well, thankfully, though, they were hearing these rumors that this was only going to last for a short period of time. But these rumors, as noted, came from false prophets. They were trying to convince the people with false hope. Oh, don't worry. Everything will be okay. You're going to be out of here shortly. But Jeremiah, in verse 10, stated that the Lord says, you're going to be there for 70 years, a lifetime. Now, the people of the city of Babylon, they had a strategy. We read in verse 1 that it wasn't all the people of Israel taken captive. Jeremiah wrote to the priests and the prophets and the elders, and it refers to all other people that were taken. King Nebuchadnezzar chose to take a certain group. In verse 2, we read that he took the king and the queen, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans. So here we have who he took. So he left behind, he had a strategy to leave behind the poor, the vulnerable, those who lacked leadership. With no leadership, with most of the leadership gone and no leadership for them left in Jerusalem or in Israel, the left behind Jews would be assumed to fall apart. Israel would likely never be a threat for any other people. The second part of the Babylon strategy was to assimilate those new Jewish inhabitants and this leadership community into Babylon. Have the people live in Babylon for some time, learn to be just like the rest of the people in Babylon. So he brought the Jewish leaders to Babylon, hoping that they, like the, they, they, they would assimilate. That over time, this Jewish committee, uh, committee, community would become extinct. The Jewish community would be lost. Just come on in. Fit right in with the rest of us. Well, as Jeremiah stated, captivity was going to last for 70 years. And this was a lifetime for the people. And here they are. They're aliens. They're foreigners. And they were to be resident aliens. And perhaps in a sense we can compare ourselves to the Israelites. In the New Testament passage of 1 Peter 1.17, God's people are called to be exiles, to be foreigners. Christians are called to be resident aliens, present in the place where God puts us. And yet still a foreigner in this broken, sinful world. And yet... We are all called here for a purpose by God. Well, God intentionally carried the Israelites into exile. He intentionally put, this com- in, put them into the community in which they were in. It states this three times in the passage uh, in verses 4, 7, and 14, where it says that God carried them into exile. God had a purpose for his people in that place. And you know, through it all, even him carrying his people in exile, through it all, God didn't leave his people alone. So Jeremiah writes to the exiles in this letter. In verses 5 and 6, we read the words from God, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters. And this is implying a long-term settlement. 
There's going to be some adaptation to the culture because they're in a different context and they're being told to eat what is being produced in that context. It could be different foods. This might be somewhat different than what they're used to. So they need to adapt to the culture and the context in which they now live become part of this foreign land. So they were also told to grow in the city. Verse 6. They're encouraged to increase in number. Don't refrain from growing and becoming numerous. And in verse 7, they were to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Pray for the city. Don't wish harm on the city because this is going to be your home. But the desire to the city to be prosperous and they too will be prosperous. Pray for it. Pray for the governance. Pray for the people. Pray for the industry. Pray for the places of education and for the neighborhoods. The people of Israel are aliens, but this is now their city, their new home. They are resident aliens. And as we read in this passage, one of the purposes of the exile was to reach out into the new community that God placed them in. And when you do that, when you get into a new community, the Israelites, as do we, you kind of have three options, three directions that you could take. So they and we, we could resemble our places of community. We could move into our communities and lose our spiritual identity. Now, this is an option, but this is not, a, this of course is not a good option. But basically, it would be like the Israelite people just blending in to Babylon and becoming a Babylonian. It's like living in the world and of the world. Allowing the world, the community in which we live, to transform us. Allowing the community to have the biggest impact on our life. Again, not a healthy option for a believer. The second option, again, not a healthy option, is to separate themselves or ourselves from the community. See, the false prophets filled the minds of the people with hope. They filled their minds with this optimistic thinking that, again, this is just temporary. So, you know what? Don't get involved. This is just kind of a minor blip or minor transition in, the, in our life. And don't worry, we're going to be returning to Jerusalem shortly. Stay separate. Don't interact. And don't even share your faith. And again, this second option, too, is not a desired option because God had put them in that place for a purpose. And as God said through the prophet Jeremiah, this is going to be a long-term deal. They're not simply tourists. They're residents. So the third option, as we seek God and seek His will, is what we need to strive for. And this option given to the Israelites is to move into the community and to maintain your spiritual identity. This option encourages Israel and encourages us to not have the community impact us as much as we are to impact the community. The community is not to transform us, but we are to transform the community. It's not assimilation and blending into the community. It's not separating totally from the community. It's engaging our context. 
and at the same time maintaining our spiritual identity, continuing to seek God, to continue to put our focus on Him. So as mentioned, one of the purposes that God had for His people was to reach out. But there was another purpose. The purpose of this exile was for the people to intentionally seek God. For the people to put their trust in the Lord. For the people to seek the Lord with all their heart and to pray to Him. To know and to understand and obey His will for their lives. You see, God desires His people to seek Him. And as residents in a foreign land, we, the Israelites and we, we all need God's help. God has plans for His people. Again, the Israelites are in captivity for a long time, and yet, there continues to be hope. In fact, through this nation, God provided all of us a future, all of us a hope. A Savior was born from the line of Israel, and this Savior was born for the Jews and for the Gentiles. The Savior was born for various nations and people. And through the promise of Jesus Christ, God provides hope and assurance. No matter what our circumstances, we need to keep our focus on Him. And as we learn... We're New Testament people, so we know. We can look back and see what happened following this. As we learn from the New Testament scriptures, didn't Jesus do exactly what we're called to do? Enter into the neighborhoods? Jesus came down, God in the flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. He came into our neighborhoods. He came onto this earth as a human being. And he lived among his people. He was a resident alien. God among his sinful people. Making his home among us. Living among us. Praying for his people. Loving his people. Calling us to seek him. To know him. To make him known. When the Israelites came to the land of Babylon, everything was left behind. But one thing they did not lose, aside from their life, was God's providing hand. They had a faithful God with them. When all else might be destroyed and appear hopeless, God did not forsake them. God said to them that they need Him, and they need Him to live out their faith. They need to continue to seek God with all their heart, wherever they might be. They don't need to be in Jerusalem to seek God. They're now in Babylon. Seek Him. Make Him known. You see, basically there's one mission to seek, which is to seek God and to seek His will. In the New Testament, it's written out in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations and knowing that as we do The Lord our God is with us to the very end of the age. He's with us as we're going among, being resident aliens, going among God's people in His world. There's one mission, and that mission is, is founded on God's Word, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And every church puts this mission into its context and language, In our church, we've put that mission into words. We're training to become a clear reflection of God's glory within ourselves, towards others, within our community. 
were representatives of Jesus Christ in the neighborhoods and the communities that he has placed us. And our purpose in our life is to reveal God's glory. We're created to love God, to love his people. And you know, you do know, it's not, an, it's not always an easy thing to do. In fact, our natural tendency is to hate God and to hate one another. But we need to refocus our attention towards Jesus and to point ourselves, one another, to Jesus and others to the work and the power of Jesus. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came into our neighborhoods on a mission. And he wants us to continue to seek him. And he wants to use us to help him to seek and to save other lost. So together, God's people here make up the church. We are the church. And the church brings hope to our communities. And we can't expect people, I mean, we do expect people to come and we we encourage them to come, but we can't expect people to come into the church to receive hope. We, the church, have to go out and to release the hope of Jesus. Engage the world in which we live. Our sign right now up front says welcome. And it does reflect hospitality. It's a word that we should have on our sign. But maybe a better phrase would be, instead of welcome, we're coming or we're going. And that's God's plan for us in verse 11 as we read it. God's plan is for us to be resident aliens in our communities, building his kingdom And one day he will bring us back home. Through the saving work of Jesus Christ, we will be carried from our place of exile into his physical presence with a renewed and restored world. That's God's plan for his people. That's the hope that he provides us. And we need to carry that hope into a broken world. So wherever we may worship, wherever we might live, God calls us to be more engaged in the world in which we live. And he wants us to make an impact in his name. He has plans for his people. And his purpose is for us to live out that gospel message wherever we are. And we're to understand that and live out that purpose. We're to be kingdom people, advancing the kingdom of God wherever he has placed us for his purpose. This week I had the privilege of being introduced to some new ministries and reintroduced to some old ministries of how people are being part of the community. We had a, a region, our classes meeting of regional, regional churches, uh, Christian Reformed churches in Wingham this week. And we introduced what started out, uh, I think about eight years ago, as an Operation Mana ministry, which was done through the work of the deacons through the Christian Reformed Church. And this ministry now has grown into an independent ministry, and it's called CARS, Christian Automotive Repair Service. And this mechanic shop in Wingham witnesses the love of Jesus through interaction with their customers. And they only charge for parts. No labor. Now don't go rushing there, okay? (laughs) It's for those who cannot afford to normally get their vehicles fixed. And this group of guys, this group of mechanics, get together for devotions. And then in their shop, they get together to fix vehicles and pray over their customers. They have gone into their community providing hope 
Another ministry that came across my path at least three times this week alone was the Alpha Ministry for Youth and for Marriage. A ministry built around relationships, around food, around fellowship, and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Again, giving hope. Another ministry was through a mom who organizes prayer for the schools through a ministry called Moms for Prayer. They're an intentional, or rather intentional and international ministry praying for schools and for students and for families. And the mission is that every school in the world will be covered with prayer. People engaging in their communities. Praying for the communities. So what is our purpose in our community? Youth, young adults, you go to school, whether you're in Christian school or public school or Catholic school, education is an important part of the reason that you're at school, likely. But there's more reasons. Who are you making relationships and why? Are you praying for your schools and the people in your schools because God has put you there for a purpose? Those in the workforce, why has God put you where he has? He's called you there for a reason. What is your purpose? Pray for for your workplace. Pray for the people you work with. And then many people, we volunteer within our communities or belong to local organizations or teams. And what a great way to reveal God's glory in the community. I mean, initially, it might simply be as important as a ministry of presence, just being there. But then what's the next step? What's the next step that God's calling you to? as you're living out the gospel message of Jesus. So be in our communities, create relationships in our communities, pray for our communities. And I know, I know it's not easy. It takes work, and it takes an extra step beyond our comfort zone. So friends, we're not called to remove ourselves from our places of community. We're not called to resemble our places of community. We're called to maintain our spiritual identity in our communities and make Jesus known in this world and keeping our focus on him. We are the church and the church brings hope to the community. Engage the world in which we live in. And that's God's plan for us as we read this passage. His plan for us is to be people of mission, building his kingdom as resident aliens, bringing the hope and love of Jesus to what sometimes feels to some people as hopeless situations, bringing the hope of a savior to our nations, to our neighborhoods, in the name of Jesus. And all together we say, amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you're the master planner. And you have plans for us to prosper us, to give us hope, and to give us a future. And that future is not one on on our own. You've given us a future of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And you've sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to remove all our sins and to give us salvation on account of your love and grace. We thank you that through the power of your Spirit, you equip us to share this hope with others. And you've put us in places of community to do this. So, Lord, we want our places of community to prosper. We want our families, our churches, our workplaces, our schools, our institutions, our places of volunteer, our neighborhoods, our towns, and our cities to prosper. So we pray for these places. 
and pray for areas of opportunity within our communities. We pray for the many people in these communities. And we pray your blessing upon each person and use your people to further your kingdom in our community and in this world. We realize that we live in a broken world and one day we can look forward to this world being restored and to your people being completely renewed through your son, Jesus Christ. In the meantime, help us to be people of hope and gospel proclaimers, knowing that you are ahead of us wherever we go. We pray this all in the name of Jesus and for the sake of Jesus. Amen.